We are now on episode number 99 of Dynasty Decisions. If you guys are new around here, this is where we break down all of your Dynasty Decisions. Your rookie pick questions, your rebuilding questions, your contending questions, all your trades and all that good stuff. This is what we do on this channel, and we have now done it for the 99th time in this video. Episode 100, we'll probably do some kind of cool giveaway or whatever, but today we got seven teams on the docket, a couple paid submissions, a couple free submissions. Of course, if you want your team broken down, the easiest and quickest way to do so is head on over to flockfantasy.com and use the promo code FSE. Um, one of the benefits of using our promo code is that you get first priority to these videos. So I'm excited to get into this one. Danny, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. We're seeing a lot of these potential prospects in your rookie drafts weighing out at the Senior Bowl. They're going to be running the Combine soon. This is the time of year where we get excited for those rookie picks. We get excited for the prospects of the NFL draft. And being able to watch the draft, being able to see how it sorts itself out, man, I cannot wait. These next few months are going to be special. Absolutely. So let's not waste any time. Let's get right into the first team. All right, so if you skipped the intro, also I want to shout out one thing too. A lot of people have reached out to me saying that we need to upload stuff to podcasts, so we will be doing that going forward. So if you don't like listening on YouTube, you'd rather just listen to us, um, you could definitely check out our Fantasy Stock Exchange podcast, leave us a rating and review while you're over there. But of course, if you want your team broken down, the easiest way to do so is on Flock Fantasy. Use that promo code FSE. The first team that we're going to break down is from Ryan Brown here, who is a Mother Flocker member over on Flock Fantasy. Uh, the team that you guys can see there is a 14-team, four-point per passing touchdown, full tight end premium PPR league, uh, Superflex as well. So Superflex 14-teamer definitely gets difficult to make sure you have a good quarterback core, but you're in decent shape here with Joe Burrow, Matthew Stafford, and Daniel Jones. Uh, running backs pretty light there with Zach Charbonnet, not much else going on. And then Keenan Allen as the main wide receiver, but pretty much nothing else uh, at wide receiver there as well. And then at tight end, I mean, Luke Musgrave, I guess, is interesting. The rest of these guys, not so much. You do have the 101 this year, the 106 this year, 201, 301, 306, and then an extra first rounder. I believe that's in 2025 that you have that listed there. And then all of your picks in 2026, a couple extra seconds in 2025 as well. So not a good team. I mean, we could start it off with that. This is pretty barren other than really Joe Burrow, Zach Charbonnet, and like Luke Musgrave as like long-term building blocks. And I'm using building blocks like pretty loosely right now. Um, of course, the picks yeah. are nice and the 101 is definitely helpful, but um, this is the type of team where I'm definitely looking to shop a pick like 101 because you need a lot and you need a lot fast. Yeah, and I mean, looking at the team, you have a couple building blocks. I mean, it's really just Joe Burrow, to be honest. Like Outside of that, every single person on this team um, is on the chopping block, including Caleb Williams. And even Joe Burrow, if you get a huge offer from, for him, let's just say you get an offer of three and a half first or four first hypothetically in here. Uh, I'm willing to sell them because like, like Corey said, there's some aging assets here that you could probably just fish off, you know, for seconds like Keenan Allen's probably going to get you an early second. Maybe if you add them to another piece, like, I don't know, uh, looking through here, uh, can, can Luke Musgrave and Keenan Allen get you a, a, a mid two and a late two or something like that? Can that get you a mid two and an early three? Like those are the type of deals you're going to be having to do. Daniel Jones, for example, if the giants leave this draft without a quarterback, you're able to sell them. Then you have a couple windows here, but outside of that, you're going to need a lot to be able to recoup because even having the one Oh one, your team's a, your team is still behind the eight ball for the position you should be in. 
Yeah, and I mean, he says he took over this orphan, so he didn't make this oh, mess. So okay. thank God thank, Brian did thankfully. not make this mess. This is a, a team that he decided to rebuild. I would have not taken over this orphan if I were you because he <laughs> said, I chose to rebuild this team even though there's a rebuilder with like 102, 103, and 104. They have six total first-rounders, you know, a bunch of picks. This is a, this going to be an uphill battle. This one's going to be a challenge for you. It's probably going to be 2026, and he actually lists that here. If he hits on his picks, he's like, I most likely need to trade off of the 101 to build a team. So he understands that he probably can't can't just take Caleb Williams and be good to go. He said, I'm okay trading anyone at this point. That should be your attitude. Everybody pretty much is on the chopping block, like we said. But yeah, we should probably move on to some of the trades that he has listed here. And um, the first one, November 15th, he sells off DeAndre Swift in a fourth for Zach Charbonnet a second. I think that Smash. was a pretty solid move. Smash. Yeah, like you get um, a second round rookie pick, which is obviously going to benefit your rebuild. You get a younger running back who um, I probably wouldn't be counting on holding Zach Charbonnet, but if, you know, two years from now, Kenneth Walker moves on in free agency, maybe you can cash out for a first round pick or at some point, maybe Kenneth Walker gets injured and you can cash out for like a first with Zach Charbonnet and a second or whatever. I think that was a good process move. This next deal, awesome process move. Yes. Tyler Boyd and Cortland Sutton, you got a 2025 first and third. This must have been Pete Cortland Sutton performing like a wide receiver two in fantasy that you're able to do this, but great move there. You sell off on like a 26, 27 year old wide receiver and then a 30 year old slot guy for a first and a third. This is exactly yeah. the type of moves you need to be making going forward. Yeah. If you can get a first round pick for these type of players moving forward, that's, a, that's what you should be doing every single time. And given the fact that this is the type of market that you saw for Boyd and Sutton, it also opens up my eyes to potentially seeing that maybe you can get some more value for some of those veterans on your team. So uh, we do see in this next deal, you're able to acquire Keenan Allen, Joe Burrow third and a second, but you did give up CD lamb and Jameer Gibbs and, I'm going to cut it honest with you. I would much rather the CD Lamb, Jameer Gibbs side here. Uh, I do view Joe Burrow ahead of CD Lamb in my startup rankings, but we're probably looking at the difference between a mid-first round pick versus the difference between the 108, 109, 110 area, depending how you break down Jefferson, Chase, and CD Lamb. Those are the three first round startup wide receivers. So I wouldn't want to pay this type of premium going from CD Lamb to Joe Burrow, knowing their startup value is as similar. Because the way I kind of break it down here is even if you prefer Burrow, let's say CD Lamb plus a two gets you Burrow, Jameer Gibb just completely wipes out the other side of the package and it's not close. Yeah, I think process-wise, this is just not the type of move you want to be making when right. you're in a position to not compete for like three years. Like you're not in a position where you need to be buying elite assets. You're in a position where CD Lamb and Jameer Gibbs need to be sold off of your team. And the yes. only assets you're interested in are 2024, 25, and 26 picks. So if you could have kept these assets individually, sold CD Lamb for a 2024-109 and a 2026 first, Jameer Gibbs for a 2025 first and two 2025 seconds, that's more the type of deal that you want to be making with players like this because yeah. your team is not even remotely close to competing. So you want to punt those first rounders, those second rounders a year or two in advance because nobody's going to care about those picks. Yeah, the way I kind of look at it is given the market that I saw with Boyd and Sutton going for a first and a third, I honestly think CeeDee Lamb and Jameer Gibbs uh, in this type of four, uh, league, given that market, may be able to net you between them probably about five ones. And we're looking like 25, 26 ones. Again, as soon as 27 ones are made available, this is the type of team I'd be buying them with, knowing that you could probably get them for 70 cents on the dollar if you buy them today. Like those are the types of deals I'm moving. Like I'm just trying to further my assets, further my assets, further my assets down the road because A, it gives you the potential uh, versatility where come that season, say you've 
struck on a couple other deals and you have three first round picks in 2026, and maybe by then you're in a house money window, then at that point you have an opportunity to potentially cash in some of those picks or cash in on some injured players. Let's just say Jameer Gibbs by then would be what, 24 years old. Uh, maybe he gets hurt for a few weeks and you can buy him back then for one of those first round picks. Like I've seen shit go full circle in dynasty leagues to the point where knowing having those future picks backlog can get you some very, very good values. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely makes some sense as well. He also uh, has another trade listed here where he sold Najee Harris and Sam Howell for one Oh six, three Oh six and a 2025 second. Again, you fleece that guy. Like that's, yeah. And absolute like these types of trades where you're just punting for picks is exactly what you need to be doing. Your team has the luxury of time. You're not remotely focused on competing this year, next year, probably like Danny said, not until a house money window comes in 2026. So for you, you're just like any players on my team, I'll cash them out for second and third round picks because I can hit on draft picks. And you're obviously with this team going to be very invested in the rookie classes and doing your research on that. So I, I had imagined you should probably be trusting your ability to scout prospects. And by 2025, 2026, you're going to start to see the fruits of that labor. And you're probably going to have a bunch of good wide receivers that are young, a bunch of good, you know, young, maybe a, a, you hit on a good young quarterback or a good young tight end or something like that. Last piece of input here. So apparently the December 30th trade, uh, he did overpay, but uh, apparently the effort was to potentially get the guy his second championship in a row. And for reference, he says this is an empire league. And if that guy were to have won his back-to-back -back championship, it would have reset the league entirely. So it makes more sense about your own. You're probably just like, fuck, my team is get the, Get this team <laughs> out of my life. <laughs> get this team the fuck out of here. You go win your championship with CeeDee Lamb and Jameer Gibbs. And I'm curious how he did it with uh, how good CeeDee Lamb was in that week 17 game. But, I mean, we saw some fucking high scores in championship week. You know how many leagues I saw over 200, 220, 240 being the score? So, um that's just unfortunate. If that guy was able to take the league down, you'd be uh, looking a lot, a lot better right now. Yeah. I mean, this is like borderline collusion, but it totally makes some sense here because you wanted to nuke this team and everything it stood for. It. So, um, you know, the deal with this team, you got to stay the course. It's going to be a long time before you actually, maybe next year you can make a trade with the guy that won this year's championship to try to get the league nuked again. But Regardless, you're going to have a, a long road ahead of you. So you, I think you know that. We can probably move on to the next team here, which is from uh, Bailey here. 12-team PPR, six-point for passing touchdown, half-tight end premium super flex format. Just Jordan Love to speak of at quarterback. Does have Kenneth Walker, Jonathan Taylor, Brian Robinson, Chuba Hubbard, Raheem Mostert, and others at running back. Jamar Chase, uh, Chris Godwin, and then some other like fodder pieces at wide receiver. Dallas Goddard is his main tight end with like Kate Otten and some other younger guys like Tucker Craft and Darnell Washington. Does have the 102 this year. Um, does have an early 2025 first, which is probably his, I would imagine, or maybe it's somebody else's. And then another 2025 first, but does not have his second this year. So, I mean, this team is in pretty rough shape, I would say, just because you don't have cornerstone quarterbacks other than Jordan yeah. Love. You don't have cornerstone wide receivers other than Jamar Chase. Your running back core, it's in a good spot if you were competing, but you're not in a competitive window. So, yeah. For me, this is the type of team that you're looking to retool. This is the type of team that you're looking to move off of Kenneth Walker, off of Jonathan Taylor, off of any running Chris backs Godwin. that can provide you any value for future draft capital, for young wide receiver talent. He basically asks, uh, what are some wide receivers he should look to add? Should I look to draft Drake May at 102 or swing a deal for like Kyler and move down to get Marvin Harrison in this draft? Generally speaking, a rule of thumb for me is when you're not in a competitive window, you're not really in position to like move up for assets. Your goal is to yeah. kind of accumulate more assets and hopefully hit on said assets. So for me, 
thinking that you should like draft Drake may and then like swing up to try and get Marvin too. like, you're not in a position to make that move. You're only in a position to make moves like that. When you've built out a war chest of draft capital and players like, like, for example, I'm in a league where, uh, I, again, I'm, I'm not saying this to compare, but like I have 103, 104, 106, and I think the 109, 111, 112. And that type of league, because I have the 103 and because I have those other picks, I can say, well, I want Drake May. Maybe I can see what the 102 wants for Marvin Harrison because he probably wants picks because he's at the 102 for a reason. It was an orphan team. In that type of scenario, when you have those spare assets to be able to move up for the hammer, that's one thing. But when you're in a position where you got the 102, not because you have a bunch of picks loaded up, but because your team's in the position to get you the 102, then you kind of have to disparage assets like Corey said. So in this type of instance, you got the 102. Are you seeing, again, what the market value for Kenneth Walker, Jonathan Taylor, Chris Godwin, uh, any other fodder, like even Dallas Goddard, uh, he's a solid you know, tight end one option. But if somebody's w- willing to offer you any type of first round equity, he's off my team because I'm not competing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, he understands, I think he says, what direction should I take my team? I think, you know, the answer to this, like you need to rebuild this thing or at least retool it and function it in a way that you're not going to lose liquidity on the, the cornerstone assets you do have, because other than Jordan Love and Jamar Chase, the other best assets on your team are running backs with Kenneth Walker and Jonathan Taylor. Obviously you have draft capital too, but you probably want to shift those guys into future draft capital in 2025, or maybe swap them out for players um, that can help your team. Now, like if you can sell Jonathan Taylor for like Zay flowers in two seconds or whatever, like that's the type of deal that I would be looking to make with a team like this. He does have some trades listed here. Um, and he, he keeps talking about like wanting to swing a deal for Kyler and move down to 103. If the deal that you're talking about is all you have to give up to get Kyler and the 103 is 102 and maybe another piece, then absolutely make a deal like that. That makes a ton of sense. Like if you can give 102 and Jonathan Taylor for Kyler Murray and 103, like I would, I mean, I would literally break my thumb accepting that trade. Yeah. 100%. And I mean, look, uh, looking at some of these deals, uh, I understand the process behind them. So the first one, Mike Evans, Debo Samuel for Chris Godwin, eventual 111, about even square, except you're moving off of older aging wide receivers. You're getting a 111 back. You're getting a youth asset there, which you ended up eventually co- uh, cooping 111 into a trade with the Jonathan Taylor deal. So looking at this, I mean, face value, I'd probably want the Evans and Debo Samuel side, but I understand the process making this December 11th. Also worth noting that on December 11th, you wouldn't know that it was the 111. So it was probably I would have just punted a playoff for a 2025 first. one if you could have. Um, yeah, just knowing sure. like you probably knew that guy was going to be in a better position to win the championship once you gave him Mike Evans and Debo Samuel. So I probably would have aimed because you might have been able to get 2025 first and second instead of the 111 just because it's an immediate 2024 first. He might have been like, oh, I need that pick right now. But in 2025, I don't need that pick. So I would imagine you might have been able to get a little bit more if you would have aimed for 2025 picks. That's probably what I would have done differently. But yeah. at the same time, I kind of understand the process. If this pick is 107, this deal looks a lot better. Oh, 100%. Yeah, if he got eliminated early, you would have been in a better a better spot. Uh, Pacheco in the 111 for JT. I understand he said he almost lacerated his thumb accepting this deal. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I love Isaiah Pacheco, but at this point, you have to view Jonathan Taylor as a tier above. And although I really love this rookie class, 111, you're probably looking at maybe at best one uh, RB1s on the board. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think... The difficult thing fair value. like this is you want to accept deals like this, right? Because you're getting a better asset for lesser assets. But at the same time, now you have to sell Jonathan Taylor. And you have Jonathan to sell Jonathan Taylor. Taylor. Exactly. Right if Jonathan yes. Taylor was on the market, 
for this price tag, are you going to have a hard time now selling Jonathan Taylor for what he's actually worth, which is probably like the 107, 108 in this rookie class instead of, you know, Isaiah Pacheco in the 111. So I, well, I, I agree with the, the thought process here. I think it was a good trade. But what could you have gotten for Isaiah Pacheco? Because if you could have gotten, let's say, 109 for Isaiah Pacheco, would you rather have Jonathan Taylor or 109 and 111? Well, that's what I was going to bring up. I think this is more so buying a depressed cost Jonathan Taylor at this point, given what he thinks the market value in his league can equate to. So I'm assuming if you're if you're selling him back off in August or in September, you're probably going to get a better deal is what, what I'm thinking. So he's probably thinking, oh, I buy him now. 111, I miss out on this year, big deal. But even if this trade comes back in August or September and the guy's like, yeah, I'm willing to give you Isaiah Pacheco in a future 25 first, you already profit. So, and I yeah, think deals like sure. that will come. That's a good so, point. But at the same time, I, I view this as too late first worth of value. And I, it's not like this is an absolute smash deal. I mean, he yeah. said he almost no, lacerated his thumb accepting this, but too late first for in your position for Jonathan Taylor is probably about equivalent value, assuming you could have sold yeah. Isaiah Pacheco for a late first worth of value. Agreed. In this final deal, Patrick Mahomes for the 102, 2025, 20, early first, and Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham, whatever, probably mid-third, late-third of value. You're really looking at the meat and potatoes here with the 102 in the early first. Whether that's Marv, whether that's Drake May in this package, you're looking at probably the Superflex 101, 102, depending on, on what the league views Mahomes versus Allen. It's like moving down from that spot to, I mean, Drake, Marvin are probably going to be the 12th overall pick. Yeah, like one-two turn picks overall probably. pick. Yeah, so I mean, it makes sense. Basically, you're moving, like if it was startup value, you're moving from the 102 to the 112 slash 201 and netting a 2025 first. And if that first ends up being early, uh, I do think I like your side because then you're kind of equating it to, let's just say the 201 plus the 301 in exchange for Patrick Mahomes, which is about the type of value I'd want if I would if I were selling Mahomes. He doesn't list this here specifically, but this might have been him buying his own first back. Because he does say it's an early first. He already has it. Giving the he guy, has it. If you're giving the guy Mahomes, it, it could have been your own first that you were buying uh, back. He, it's a, so it says uh, he already had his 25 first, uh, or at least it says Right, but how would you know first. that first is early, though, unless it's yours, is my question. Um, Because if you're giving the guy Mahomes, you're making his team a lot better. Fair. Well, I mean, he has another first. So uh, here's hoping that's a different early first, and you also have your own first, because then maybe you're playing for 101 and 102, which would be pretty nice. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I mean, you got a lot of work to do with this team. You got to refashion your your assets and your distribution of talent here because you have a lot of it wrapped up in the running back position. Yet it's not where you want it in a team in a position like this. So try and reconfigure your assets. Aim for 2025 capital if you can. Should be a pretty decent class. Um, we, you know, we don't know as much about it as we do the 2024 class, but it looks like there's going to be some good wide receivers at the top, some good running backs, a couple quarterback options as well. So I would probably aim for 2025 capital if people are stingy with their 2024 picks. Um, but we can move on to the next team here, which is from Connor Seed. He says, uh, 10-man startup, um, kickers for rookie picks. So he must have just had this startup uh, as well, which is definitely interesting. So uh, it looks like, what is the, um, okay, so it's a 10-man, like he said, half PPR lineup format, six point for passing touchdown, half tight end premium, super flex. So the fact that this was just a startup, I really like with what you came out of this draft because you got a lot of great assets Love in it. addition to draft capital. I mean, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, and Brock Purdy, you got three top 25 top 30 assets and two of those guys being first round caliber dudes. And then Drake London, Jordan Addison, Jaden Reed, Calvin Ridley was probably just a good value. So I'm assuming you just took the value there. Uh, George Kittle, probably same thing. You just took the value there. Uh, a nice young tight end core behind Kittle, um, you know, zero RB type of guys at running back makes some sense. And then also bookending that with the one Oh two 
the 104, which you could pretty much earmark for Marvin Harrison Jr. and Malik Neighbors if you yeah. wanted to, just given the construction of your team right now. And then 201, 205, 208, 302, probably take some shots on some running backs there, maybe a couple more wide receivers, and then all of your picks in the future. So, I mean, coming out of a startup, I think this is just a yes. very, very solid um, way of building the team. Yeah, I mean, if we're looking at it right now, your quarterbacks are clearly set. And if not, you might even have an embarrassment of riches there, to be honest, with Josh Allen, with Kyler Murray, with Brock Purdy as your quarterback three. Uh, Josh Allen, quarterback one for me in Dynasty. Kyler Murray, top 10 option. Uh, Brock Purdy, even if you're lower on him, I think he's a clear top 15 Dynasty quarterback. So you got three of the top 15 guys. So right off the bat, I'm assuming you have the most quarterback value in your league, and it's probably not even close. You got that on top of being able to add Two difference-making elite top eight to ten overall dynasty wide receivers as soon as they're added with Malik Neighbors and with Marvin Harrison Jr. If I'm looking at this team here, you take those two generational wide receivers, you still have the 201, the 205, the 206, plus those later uh, later round picks. You could potentially add, let's just say, Marv, Neighbors, Lad McConkey, um, maybe uh, Adnay Mitchell at the 205. And if you want to mix in a running back at that point, maybe like a Blake Corum lands in a decent spot and is like the RB4 off the board and you add him to this team, I think this could be a house money team as soon as this upcoming year. Yeah, I love building teams like this out of the startup. This is currently how I'm constructing. Ironically, I also have the 102 and the 104. The startup team that I just have drafted, where I draft Trevor Lawrence in the first round, I trade down, I, I pick up some young wide receivers like Alave, and then I got 102, which is going to be Harrison and that kind of thing. So I do love how you're constructing this team. I think this is oh, yeah. a winning way of constructing a team, especially in a team, like he said, um, that RBs are valued highly, which means that they're probably flying off the board really high, which means you're getting good value on quarterbacks. He said he got Kyler in the third round, Purdy in the fifth round, which is pretty insane, um, especially that value on Purdy. That's absolutely absurd to me. And he's saying, like, wondering thoughts on next steps going forward. Should I stay the course slash sell guys off like Kittle and Ridley? I mean, Kittle specifically, you're probably going to get more value for him closer to the season. But with yeah. Calvin Ridley, you might have a selling window in free agency if he re-signs on a long-term deal to Jacksonville yeah. or if he goes somewhere else. That's definitely your first kind of selling window point. Um, but both of those guys, I'm fine holding yeah. until the season is is in progress. And if they're producing, you could sell them at that point. Kittle's the type of guy where he, for whatever reason, people know he's going to end up being like a top three tight end by the end of the year. But for whatever reason, maybe it's because of his age. Whenever he shows like a two for 23 game or a three for 17 game, like people all of a sudden just feel like they want to cut his market value in half. And then the following week when he goes eight for a 133 and two touchdowns, he's suddenly the, the dynasty tight end four again. Really, uh, if you have a selling window for Kittle and somebody's willing to embark on that journey, uh, I'd be willing to sell because, again, you're in a house money situation. Although I love George Kittle, I think he's one of the more undervalued tight ends because of the aspect of his game, the volatility of his game. At the same time, given his age, given where your winning window is probably 2025, uh, I, I would be willing to sell Kittle. If somebody's willing to sell me like a mid first rounder of equity or maybe a transition, say Michael Mayer plus an early second round pick, that's what I would be looking to do if I was selling George Kittle. But like Corey said, like you can't sell him uh, at his low point. You can't sell him after the three for 17, knowing that the market value is so volatile. You kind of got to pick your spot when he's coming off that high. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I think you're pretty well set up. There's not much else I would do Agreed. to change this team situation. You're you're going to spend your rookie picks, take your best player available where you can, and, you know, selling windows. Raheem Mostert resigns with the Dolphins or something. Maybe you can sell him for a mid-second round pick and, in 2025 and continue 
building out your asset portfolio. Because like Danny just said, you're probably in a house money year this year, but 2025 might be a year once you spend all your picks that you're actually in a competitive window. If we have a very good running back class and you're like 104 gets like RB1 in the class or something like that, you could be in a really, really good spot. So um, I think we can move on to uh, Sammy B's team here. Uh, Slinging Sammy Ball is that, that who's submitting a team here. Uh, 12 team, half PPR, six point for passing touchdown, half tight end premium, super flex league. So uh, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. I mean, in a half PPR, 12 team super flex, that's a pretty damn good oh, quarterback yeah. core to have. ETN, Rashad White, Jerome Ford, and then some other guys at running back. Ayuk, Nico Collins, Cooper Cup, Amari Cooper, Marquise Brown, and then some depth wide receivers there. George Kittle, Greg Dolchich, and Tucker Craft at tight end. And then it uh, doesn't look like he has any of his 2024 capital, but he does have all of his future picks minus his 2025 second round pick. So, I mean, he said he just won the championship. So, and I'm not shocked given the, the team that you have. It's a very competitive looking team. And he says this is his first off season of Dynasty. So it looks like Let's he go. went um, competitive out of the startup, won the championship. So he's kind of trying to figure out what he should do next. Should he be selling off of his veterans? Should he be kind of trying to run it back and trying to win again? Um, but basically what are your thoughts on this team? And then we'll get into, he has a couple specific like player for player questions, but what are your yeah, thoughts on like uh, the direction of this team? Would you try and win again next year? Or were you trying to uh, maybe transition off of players if you can? No reason for me not to try to win again next year when I have Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and my the rest of my team isn't detrimented, to be honest. If I'm looking at this right now, you realistically have potentially the quarterback one and quarterback two of my rankings going into 2024 fantasy football. You have two solid running backs there with ETN and with Rashad White, both guys I value as top 10 overall dynasty running backs. You do have a potential question for Rashad White, which we'll get into in a second, but uh, looking at the wide receivers, IU, Collins, Cup, Cooper, like I understand there's a little bit more volatility there because you don't have like a CD Lamb name or like an AJ Brown name or someone like that. But at the same time, if Cooper Cup gets back to the level we saw, Brandon Ayuk, who I thought should have been a second team all pro, stays at the type of level he saw in San Francisco. Nico Collins, obviously full healthy CJ Stroud throughout the year. CJ Stroud entering year two is probably going to be a round two uh, type of redraft pick, in my opinion. On top of all that, having a guy like George Kittle giving you production at tight end. There's absolutely no reason for me not to try to run it back with this team. Yeah, and um, his two major questions are, um, I'm looking to sell off Rashad White coming off of an RB1 season to see if I can snag a top seven pick in the rookie draft. So if that's, that's the, the going caveat. rate for Rashad White, then yes, I would try and sell Rashad White. But if if you're faced with the best offer you could find is 110 for Rashad White, you're probably better yeah. off just holding Rashad White because in terms of like redraft outlook, he's still going to be a top two to three round redraft pick. And I would imagine has some opportunity to even um, produce on that price tag um, because I think Baker will be back as a Bucks fan. I think even though Canales is gone, I still think Rashad White will be the lead back, even if we bring in some other you know pieces to, to work around him. And he also says, should I sell on Nico Collins? Because he, he feels that you know he produced a lot when Tank Dell was out of the lineup. And I, I agree with that to some degree. Um, and he also said, should I maybe sell off of one of Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, see if I can pick up like a litany of assets to help fill up my roster. Generally speaking, when you got two studs like this, man, just enjoy it. Just enjoy the fact that you have two studs. It's way harder to get two stud quarterbacks than it is to sell one of your other pieces for a journeyman quarterback that you can use to fill in. Let's say next year, week four, Jalen Hurts misses like six games. And you're like, damn, I should have sold Jalen Hurts and picked up a bunch of like litany of assets to help fill up my roster. You could have bought on like this year's Baker Mayfield or this year's whoever 
for a cheap price tag to fill out your quarterback production while those studs are out of your lineup, as opposed to just like selling off Josh Allen for, let's say, Brock Purdy, a first rounder and a, a young wide receiver to help your team. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you when you make moves like that. It's way harder to get guys like Josh Allen post startup. So you might as well just hold them. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of at the point where if somebody's willing to offer you like Justin Herbert and a first round pick, that's one thing. But outside of that, like Corey said, it, it is very tough to deal those elite top of the line quarterbacks because you know what you're going to be looking for. But there's only a select few of people in the league that even have the assets to remotely make a competitive offer. So a lot of times, unless you're completely stripping it down and you're willing to take 90 cents on the dollar, it's best to just hold those assets like, like Corey said. Yeah, for sure. And uh, some of the trades he made here, he sold off uh, Dontavian Wicks in a 2024 uh, 312. Um, so I'm assuming it was his um, for Jerome Ford. I, I think I prefer Dontavian Wicks and the 312 in this package because um, I like Wicks over Ford straight up, Agreed. to be honest. So um, on the chip. I, I get why you were selling this. Yeah. I'm assuming you maybe made this trade to help yourself win. And Jerome yeah. Ford had a monster game in week 17. He probably helped you win your championship. Yeah, 100%. At this point, this is the type of deal where, uh, I mean, we've talked about the principles we have uh, on Dynasty 101 over on Flock, uh, talked about these types of moves where you're a contending team. Yes, you probably overpaid by, I don't know, 20%, 30% of sticker price here, hypothetically, give or take. Yeah, 20 to 30%. But because you got the production of Jerome Ford as an RB2, and because he was instrumental in potentially winning you a championship given that week 17 performance, you're gonna take the little loss of value with the uptick in uh you know monetary value you got from winning the championship. Yeah, and these deals feel a lot better than buying on Jonathan Taylor and him not producing in week 17. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when you buy an elite asset that has, yes, giving you good production opportunity, but he doesn't produce, that feels way worse than like if Jerome Ford had a dud in week 17 yeah. and you still won the championship. It's like, big deal. I lost on Tavian Wicks in the 312. Like you didn't lose uh, your yeah. future first rounder or something like that. 100%. I, I love making these types of moves. Uh, low, low risk, worst case scenario. Cool. I lost a little bit of value. But at the end of the day, if you're in a position to compete for a championship, you're fine with losing a little bit of value. Like you've probably already built up an excess amount of value to the point where losing a little bit to potentially further your championship window, further your championship opportunity is always going to be worth it. So deals like that. I mean, I was mentioning like buying guys like James Connor for mid second round picks or, or during the end of the season run week 10, week 11, week, uh, week 12 on. And if you bought on some of those assets, I mean, Jerome Ford, um, like I just mentioned, James Conner, guys like that, Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara, like they probably won you championships. Yeah, exactly. Like this, this is why we, we talk about buying cheap assets instead of buying expensive assets. Yeah. It is, it is way easier to stomach when you lose the deal, quote unquote, like you yeah. did at face value at least. And then, um, 12, nine. So on December 9th, he traded away his own second rounder, his own first rounder. So one twelve, and Debo Samuel, and he acquired his teammate, Brandon Ayuk and Rashad white. So, I mean, I prefer. Smashed. Honest to God, dude, like that. I like Brandon Ayuk so much that the whole package Debo. is almost worth Brandon Ayuk, in my opinion. I would probably prefer the Debo side at face value, but I mean, Rashad White is probably worth about one twelve, and and your two twelve, or at least your your twenty twenty five second will probably be a late for uh, second rounder as well. I think that's probably about face value for Rashad White, one twelve and a, a, a late twenty twenty five second. And then I would prefer Debo or uh, Ayuk, sorry, to Debo by a landslide. So I would agree. Like the way I was equating it is maybe Debo plus the 112 or Debo plus a second, because I feel like the the it's like a middle ground there for the difference would be about Brandon Ayuk. So then either way I slice it, it's not a not a freed Rashad White, but 
if you're paying a 25 second for Rashad White, you're taking Rashad White. Yeah, which is crazy. I mean, Rashad White, you guys might have, you know, balked when Danny said he's a top 10 dynasty running back, but he like, is. please name me six or seven running backs that are better in dynasty right now. Like it, that the, the landscape is bad at this point in time. So Rashad White by default, you know, two more years of team control, probably going to be a workhorse running back next year and the year after. Yeah, he's a top 10 dynasty running back right now, given his uh, RB1 performance this year. So um, you're in a good spot. I mean, like you clearly know what you're doing. It's it. You, you got a championship winning, uh, you know, winnings in your pocket right now. And you're kind of uh, just chilling at this point. So if you have opportunities to move off of assets to make you more longevity kind of uh, situation, like if Amari Cooper, for whatever reason, has a lot of value in your league and somebody's willing to give you like a young wide receiver, like, I don't know, somebody that was in this rookie draft, like maybe you could uh, move off of Amari Cooper for, um, I don't know, who's, who's somebody that we just had as a rookie. Well, I was going to go right off the bat. That person who wants to buy Rashad White for the 107, can you make a package deal of Rashad White plus uh, Amari Cooper for the 107 plus a running back off his team? Like, Can you get a cheaper running back, get those points, and still be able to transition hypothetically Amari Cooper into a Roma Dunze into a Brock Bowers? Yeah, that would make a lot of sense as well. So little micro moves. I mean, I'm, I, I trust yeah. your judgment given the two moves that you made here so far, um, but we can move on probably to the next team here, which is from Benjamin. So he says it's an IDP league. So he has a big defense uh, defense roster, but obviously we don't cover IDP. So he hasn't listed that there. Um, he said he's super young in that area and ready to compete. So that's good to know because that obviously will affect his ability no. to compete. He said no specific questions on this team. Just how do I process or how should I process to uh, compete ASAP? So he's trying to compete. Makes some sense because of how his roster is constructed here. So it is a one quarterback standard league. Um, so he's weak at quarterback. Geno Smith, Jimmy Garoppolo, those type of guys aren't needle movers by any means. But you are strong everywhere else, pretty much. Yeah. And also, buying a quarterback in a 12-team standard league is probably not the hardest thing in the world. Uh, Bijan Robinson, Damian Pierce, Tyler Algier, pretty weak at running back. But Alave, London, Addison, Burks. Josh Downs, uh, those type of guys at wide receiver is pretty strong. And then Jake Ferguson, Michael Mayer, and Cole Komet is decent as well. It does have two first rounders in uh, 2024, which are listed as mid. I'm not sure if you know exactly where they are yet, um, but that's definitely good news. And then he does have an extra second and an extra fourth in 2024, plus an extra uh, 2025 first rounder. So yeah. um, what are your thoughts on the team and his kind of idea that he needs to compete right away? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. In a start nine league, I don't know if you have the offensive hammers uh, at this point. Now, can you use your picks to be able to apply that, especially if you're already set up to compete on the defensive end? That's what I would suggest. Again, without knowing the context of how your IDP scoring is in, rel in relation to your offense, I'm not really going to quite know the validity of your competing window. But I will say from a straight start nine perspective, I think you are weak offensively because although I like the value of uh, Olave, of London, of Addison, of Bijan, of um, I mean those are the main those are the main pieces. Even Jake Ferguson, I don't mind. Uh, realistically, in a start nine, you would probably need another hammer type of piece, whether that's like a CD Lamb added to here, or an AJ Brown, or maybe at running back like a Jameer Gibbs, or maybe if you had the like standard a Josh Allen. It's a standard right? league, right? So running backs are actually quite valuable in standards. Yes. So you probably want like an ETN or a Jonathan Taylor or something like that. If I were you, if you're dead set on competing, that's fine. Um, I would probably be looking to move one of my four first rounders over the next two drafts for a hammer running back. Like if yeah. you can sell 
I don't know what first it is. If it's the 108 it's or whatever, mid. you could sell the 108 for Jonathan Taylor. Maybe it costs you 108 plus, you know, a the second. 212 or something for Jonathan yeah. Taylor. That's probably something I'd be looking to do because he would make a big difference to this team. And also, I would probably be looking for a hammer at quarterback as well because yeah. in a one quarterback standard league, the quarterback position shouldn't be overly expensive to acquire, but you might be able to get a decent discount on even a guy with like a lot more upside than Geno Smith, like a Justin Fields, for example, yeah. or um, an Anthony Richardson or something like that. Question I got for you. That's an early second round pick. Let's say it's the 202, the 203 and a one quarterback league. Are you willing to spend that on Jaden Daniels? Oh, absolutely. I don't actually even think those quarterbacks will be on the board at that point in time. But if they are. Um, adding a rookie quarterback to the team makes some sense. But given that you're trying to compete and you're, uh, yeah, I'm just going to trust you on your IDP evaluation that you're ready to compete on that side of the ball. If you can trade your future 2025 first and like a third rounder for Anthony Richardson or something like that in a one quarterback league, I would probably be willing to do that because that gives you a competitive quarterback that can be a hammer because of his rushing ability. Um, so yeah, I think you're about a stud running back and a hammer quarterback away from actually being a competitive team. Maybe another um, good upside, uh, you know, veteran wide receiver like a Mike Evans or something as well yeah. would, would go a long way for this team. Um, but I would say you have the assets to do it. If that's what you desire and you want to just try and win this thing, because you're going to know your league market better than we will. If there's not a lot of teams trying to compete, that definitely makes some sense if that's the direction you're trying to go. Yeah, no, I I agree with you there. Uh, you also have a couple trades listed here we could brief through as well. Uh, so this was made May 2023, sent 202 and 301, received Traylon Burks. Looking back now with hindsight bias uh, in effect, obviously it looks okay. Maybe I could have gotten that a little bit cheaper, but at the time I understand the rationale here. Buying low, second-year wide receiver, a guy that was going in the eighth round of best ball leagues. Obviously not quite the second year we would have wanted, but um, at the time I understand the rationale of making the deal. Yeah, for sure. Um, the other deal is 309 and 311 for Josh Downs, who was at Smash. 209. I mean, hopefully yeah. 309 or 311 wasn't Puka Nakua or Tank Dell, because then you would have definitely lost Fair. this trade. But if it was just like Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt that you gave up, then I definitely like your side of it. And I think two late third rounders for a, a late second rounder is pretty good process, just generally speaking. Um, most of the time, one. that's going to work out for you. Same with Pacheco in a third for a 25 first. You're capitalizing. You know, he's looking like the RB1 for the Chiefs, RB2 in fantasy. Uh, you're able to get some liquidity there with an extra 2025 first round pick. Um, I definitely like that, especially knowing that now uh, you, you have more information about where you're going to be and you have four future picks to be able to leverage to be able to accomplish it. Now, looking back, could you say, well, we just said you need running backs. You could have kept Pacheco. Sure. But at the same time, because you have more affordability throughout the offseason to be able to recapture that need, I would rather just have the liquid asset right now than Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah, for sure. And who knows? You might like that first rounder. You might have more information about where that pick is going to be yeah. because that team might start rebuilding or something. And that pick can now net you Jonathan Taylor instead of Isaiah Pacheco or Travis Etienne instead of Isaiah Pacheco or hell, even Brees Hall instead of Isaiah Pacheco. So Definitely a, a smart move. Even though you kind of need running back production for a competitive team right now, you should have more buying power given the fact that you have four first rounders over the next two drafts to be able to fill out this roster if you desire to. So um, pretty good situation. Again, I would say don't be too hasty. If, if, if it's not there, if you're not going to be competitive, don't rush it. But 
if you're evaluating your league and you're like, there's one team that I'm scared of and my IDP is the best in the league and it's not even close, then yeah, you could probably make a couple moves and make this thing a competitive roster. Order a business number one, get a hammer running back two. Order a business number two, get a hammer quarterback or at least a guy with a lot of upside like a Justin Fields or something like that. And then probably add a veteran wide receiver of some kind to help fill out this core as well. Mari Cooper, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, you know, somebody like that. Maybe Stefan Diggs, you can buy low on. I think that would make some sense as well. Yeah, no, I agree. But overall, uh, again, we're going to trust your word that your IDP is very strong. Um, the offense, like like I said, a couple pieces to be able to fill in. But if you have a strong IDP, I can definitely see you potentially competing with this squad. But I think we can move on to the next team unless you have any closing thoughts. Nope, should be good here. So we're going to get into two free submissions. Of course, again, if you want a free submission covered and you've been waiting for a while, I, I'll be 100% honest with you. There's probably like 50 or 60 teams in front of you. So if you're banking on us getting to your free team, it may be a while. It may never come to fruition because we always got to prioritize our flock fantasy subscribers. Yeah. So again, if you want to skip the line, make sure to sign up over there. And of course, it, that's not the only thing you get when you sign up. You get all of our dynasty rankings, our prospect rankings, super flex, one quarterback, our draft guide, which comes out in about two or three weeks from now. Um, you know, databases, everything that you could want for dynasty purposes is over there. Um, plus you get obviously first priority to dynasty decisions. So uh, Parker Seam, we're going to cover right here. He said, I just finished the first year of this league and he was able to take third place. Initially didn't know if he would be competitive without Kyler, but he was actually seven and three at one point. Just curious what sort of moves uh, we feel would make him competitive with the assets and draft stock that he has. Initially looking at the team, he said he feels like his first priority would be to secure a solid quarterback three. So it is a, a 10 team super flex league uh, four point per passing touchdown he does have lamar jackson and kyler murray again 10 team league you want hammers at the quarterback position and hammers yeah. in general so definitely love that for you you got two very mobile <laughs> very good fantasy quarterbacks rashad white is his lead back raheem Mostert, and some other guys wide receiver core is pretty loaded with cd lamb brandon Ayuk, jsn jordan addison and then some upside pieces like demario douglas and Traylon burks and quentin johnson there and then a uh, tight end you got a hell of a duo there my tight end one and my tight end two, at least for, for now until Bowers gets into the league, um, Sam Laporta and Mark Andrews. And then you do have all of your picks in the future too, with 108, 201, 208, 209, 308, and 408, plus um, all of your picks in 2025 and 2026. So pretty well set up team, I would say. And um, a team that I think you could make a lot of noise with. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, I mean, right off the bat, Andrews Laporta, fucking absolute smash there. We're talking about dominate the onesies in a 10-team league. Uh, you have it dominated with Andrews Laporta and with Lamar Jackson and Kyla Murray. So great spot to be in there in terms of your flex talent. Uh, very strong wide receiver core, at least at the top there with C.D. Lamb, Brandon Ayuk, JSN, Jordan Addison. Um, and then at running back there, Rashad White, Raheem Mostert, et cetera. Uh, as production pieces, Rashad White having some liquidity there because he's a top 10 guy. The rest of the running back core kind of patched together, but that's fine to be in, to be honest. If, you, if your weak spot is RB2, uh, that's always the most preferred spot that we have uh, for our dynasty leagues. On top of that, having all of those picks uh, is stocked in, ready to go. Like I am with this team, to be honest, potentially seeing what 108 plus can get me into that top range of the draft this year. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That would be definitely something that I would be exploring too. He he does say like what happened to the rest of his quarterback core. He said he sold Baker Mayfield to a two and two team to remove some production process. Again, I think that was definitely a fine move there. I mean, he's got the trade listed here. He got the two Oh nine for Baker Mayfield. I would say he's probably worth more than that now, but yeah. like you said, process wise, that was probably a smart move. And then he sold Michael Wilson and Michael Thomas. So he said Wilson for JSN initially in the other part. I'm like, Oh God, I hope he didn't sell Garrett Wilson for JSN. No, he sold Michael Wilson and Michael Thomas for Jackson Smith and Jigba. So 
I would have said, looking at this team, I'm like, hey, JSN, maybe you could see what you can get for him. Move off the risky profile that JSN is. Get a better asset, like maybe Rasheed Rice plus, right. potentially, if somebody's like a big JSN stand in your league. But knowing that JSN went for this price tag, he's probably better off on your team. Yeah, no, I agree. And then this final deal, uh, selling an injured tank Dell in exchange for Raheem Mostert in the 201. Um, I mean, that's technically the 111 because uh, it's this is a 10-man yeah. league. So Raheem Mostert, 111, I would have wanted more if I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, no. you weren't, you were a house money team, even though you were th seven and three at one point. It looks like this would have been right about the point you were seven and three. So I understand buying the production of Raheem Mostert and getting the 201 back to salvage some liquidity. But I think you were a little too impatient here. The, the JSN move was perfect. Being patient. Same goes. Good process on Baker Mayfield. Didn't totally work out, but good process on it. Tank Dell selling him. I would have definitely not done that. I would have sold somebody else at least you, um, to get some production. I mean, like, because you have the 201 now, obviously, for selling Tank. But if you had held Tank, you probably could have gotten Raheem Moser on his own for maybe like the 209. And at that point, 209, 208, something like that. And if that was the cost instead to buy Raheem Mozart, I would say, okay, cool. You're out a, a late two, but you furthered your chance to win a championship. By giving up Tank Dell uh, and getting Mozart in the 201 back, the way I'm kind of looking at this now is, well, Tank Dell could probably get you a first-round pick of liquidity, and you basically paid uh, a first-round pick for Raheem Mozart in the 201. Now, it depends. If that, if that first-round pick ended up being like the 112, that's one thing, but more so Tank Dell. I have it about the 107 area, the 106 area, which if you're equating that 106, 107 for Raheem and the 201, you're probably not going to be too thrilled with that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the previous team we talked about, that's the right way to buy production. This one is like a little bit hasty. I think you were just a little too um, over the moon with it. But again, yeah. I, I know Raheem Moster was awesome this year. And if you he had was. won the championship, maybe you don't regret this trade at all. But this is why we have to think of ranges of outcomes when we're making trades like this is yes. because you're not guaranteed to win the championship. You were in third place or whatever, like you said. It's You got to think of, okay, if I lose this championship, how mad am I going to be about this trade? I mean, exactly. And it's funny because I have a, a, a relatively similar type of deal that we made in championship week. We ended up trading. So if you remember the, the trade package, I ended up giving you Travis Etienne and the 107 in exchange for Christian McCaffrey and Devontae Adams. And some of you might hear that because you're in a more uh, contender market and think, oh, my God, like you got McCaffrey and you got Adams. I feel even after winning the championship, like I missed out there because I would have won the championship anyways. And that's the type of beauty of some of these deals is you think you're making trades to end up winning and you realize, oh shit, if I just held Travis Etienne who had 25 points in championship He outscored week, McCaffrey in championship <laughs> week. I, I would have won regardless. So uh, sometimes you make your, you make these deals then you look back, even though I won the championship, I'm like, yeah, but I could have had Romo Dunze added to an already stacked team. So that would have been fucking fun. Yeah. And I mean, I already had a really good running back core. Plus it was getting yeah. a little bit older. So I got a little younger at running back. Yeah. Plus I got um, a young asset in exchange for Devonte Adams. And I would rather have Romo Dunze, assuming he's the guy that I get there 100%. at 107 uh, over Devonte Adams. So, I mean, both of us were competitive teams. I got bounced oh, in the yeah. first round. You were still trying to win the championship, but at the time, again, a lot of people probably sided with your side of the deal. It's like, you're getting a better projection in Christian McCaffrey, a better projection, at least for your winning window in Devonte Adams. But like you said, you literally would have won the championship anyways. So <laughs> yeah. it kind of sucks that you gave up a, a high draft capital asset and a, a younger running back to, to Christian McCaffrey because ETN two to three more years of competitive production, I would say is the window that you're looking at. 100%. And by the way, if you guys remember that week 17 game, it, it was so frustrating because this guy McCaffrey stays healthy all year. And that's the game where he came down with the calf. 
Yeah. So exactly, it's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> like what is going Brutal. on here? But uh, tangent aside, uh, overall, I think you're in a good position. You do have the picks again. Just uh, keep plugging away, to be honest. That's all I really got to say with this team. Clearly, you could maybe add a running back with one of those picks. 108, like I said, if you can move up to secure a top seven asset in this draft. I do think that's about the cutoff this year, including Roma Dunze, including Brock Bowers, and obviously those other five guys there with Jaden Daniels, with Malik Neighbors, with Marvin Harrison, with Drake May, and of course, Caleb Williams. So trade into that range. You have the assets to do it. Not much else I have to add. Yeah, last thing I would add would be like maybe you can get your quarterback three in the class. Like if Bo Nix yeah. or you know one of those guys gets decent draft capital, it's possible that they're there at 201 or at least in range where you can go up and get them at, let's say, 111 yeah. or whatever. Like Will Levis went at the top of the second round and he was like consensus one-two turn pick this year in rookie drafts. I could see Bo Nix or Michael Penix or J.J. McCarthy being in yeah. a similar situation there. So uh, the final team of the video here is from Andrew. He says uh, he's currently sitting with a 102, 103, 107, 202, and 204, does not have his 20. 2025 uh he said i don't have my 2025 first so there's no reason to tank so he has somebody else's 2025 first by the looks of it um he said the chase owner and i have been in talks is it worth going after him so first yes. the team it's a 12 team ppr league super flex he has burrow and deshaun watson as his main quarterbacks um doesn't really have a whole lot going on at running back outside of like jalen warren uh ty chandler and some other guys there jsn garrett wilson drake london jordan addison is his top receivers um pretty young receiving core and young team in general uh, Luke Musgrave and a couple other guys there at tight end does have a bunch of high picks this year. Like he said, 102, 103, 107, 202, and 204. You're guaranteed three of the top seven assets in this draft. I mean, given your team construction, 102 is probably Easy. Marvin for me, and 103 is probably a quarterback. Yeah. So the way I'm kind of plotting this out right now, you mentioned what 102, 103, 107. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So right off the bat, if those are my first round picks, I'm going with Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm going with Drake May and I'm going with Roma Dunze, assuming that I stay out all those picks. Now, I mean, Bowers makes a lot of sense for this team, too. Assuming Odunze were to go ahead of Bowers, Bowers would also make a lot of sense for this team, too. It would. However, then I transition to the potential trade and you can give up Drake London plus Wandale Robinson to get ETN and Pitts. Yeah, that. I think that's probably a good move, to be honest. I think um, Pitts gives you a like Pitts is a is a risk. I mean, it really depends where you're at with Pitts, because if, if you don't want to take on unnecessary risk, then you don't go after Pitts. But if you believe in the new offensive coordinator, I mean, Pitts is probably going to benefit Robinson. more so than everybody because he's been being used like a big wide receiver. If this new offensive coordinator just comes in and uses him like he's a way more athletic version of Tyler Higby, he's probably going to be outstanding because he came from Los Angeles. So that's yeah. why I use the Higby example. So. Yeah, I mean, this is you're pretty well set up. You have a, an ability to add some high-end assets to this team. It already has a, a good foundation. Deshaun Watson's a guy that sticks out to me. Just anytime I see Deshaun Watson on Dynasty Decisions teams, I'm going to potentially see what I can get for him because he is a very risky asset. Yeah, uh, by the way, he says the only thing I'm afraid of is if the 101 goes with Marvin Harrison Jr. At that point, are you just going with Drake and Caleb and entertaining what Burrow goes on the market? That or I, I'm absolutely selling Watson and just holding Burrow, yeah. Drake, and Caleb. Yeah, I mean, that that's fun, too. You Either could probably way, you sell Watson for a half-decent running back on the market, I would imagine. Yeah. When you're going down from quarterback to running back, like there's got to be a team out there that has a bunch of running backs and not a lot of quarterback assets. And I don't know how many years this league has been in commission for, but usually that happens year one where people are weak at quarterback, but then by year two, they realize how good quarterbacks are and how valuable they are. And that's when the market kind of corrects itself in your league. Yeah. And you can sell a quarterback for like a mid RB one because you know, you could get Rashad white for Watson on the open market. No problem because Watson is a quarterback and Rashad white's a running back. 
Yeah, 100%. But uh, either way, yeah. Um, what else are you going to be able to do with this team? Maybe I would see uh, what the cost of Jabbar Chase was. I know you put that as a question here. Uh, he said, you, you say you've been in talks, but I don't necessarily know what the market value is going to be there. Like, are we talking? Those picks, those picks stand out to me. Because especially if Marvin goes one, then you're going to have an opportunity to draft a quarterback. So if you sell Chase for not Caleb, so like if Caleb's there at 102, you just take Caleb Williams. But yeah. at 103, if Drake May, Malik Neighbors, Jane right. Daniels, whatever guy this guy wants to get with the Jamar Chase, like you might be able to sell 103 straight up for Jamar Chase. Yeah, I mean, you should about get it straight up. Maybe you have to throw a little bit of a premium because in your league, people like the, uh, you know, the proven players or whatever. You have to throw like the 204. At that point, it's like, okay, I'd be willing to do it. If he's trying to charge more than that, if he's like, yeah, I want, you know, uh, the 103 plus the 107 for Jamar Chase plus a 25-2, then no, you don't do that. But if the cost move up is like a mid-second round, late-second round pick, and you want to go get Chase on your squad, I don't hate that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I mean, overall, looking at this team, you definitely have some work to do. I'm probably not focused too much on adding running back talent, except I mean, 202 and 204, you're probably going to be in a nice little honeypot for the running back class. Maybe you can walk out of this with, you know, Trey Benson and Bucky Irving or whatever in decent landing spots with top 75 to 100 draft capital. That's probably all I'd be looking to allocate to the running back position, though. For me, it's just Marvin, if he's there at 102, if not, it's Caleb Williams. 103 is probably Drake May. Um, for you there. And then at 107, you're kind of praying that Brock Bowers falls to you because you're in need of a, a tight end production. But worst case scenario, you just take Romo Dunze. And then, like I said, 202, 204, best player available, might be a running back. But yeah, that's probably uh, it for this team and it for the video. If you guys made it to the end, leave a like down below, subscribe. If you're new around here, like I said, we are going to be posting podcasts going forward. So definitely check us out over there. If you guys um, are, are podcast listeners, um, Fantasy Stock Exchange and all the major platforms. And of course, if you want your team covered on a future episode, best way to do so is flockfantasy.com. Use that promo code FSE for 30% off. When you sign up over on Flock Fantasy, you'll get all the benefits that you see on the screen. Dynasty um, rankings, super flex, one quarterback prospects. You'll get our trade value chart. You'll get our um, rookie rankings and our rookie draft guide, which will be coming out um, on the 15th of February, the first edition of that. You'll get all of our prospect databases so you can break down these prospects for yourself. And of course, come you know late February, early March, we're going to be doing film breakdowns on Flock Fantasy as well. We can't do those on YouTube, obviously, because we'll get in a lot of trouble for doing that. So definitely check those out if you guys are interested in uh, Flock Fantasy. It'll be linked down below in the description and in the pinned comment as well. But with that being said, peace out and we'll talk to you soon.